Hey everybody, it's the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. This is the show, Can You Believe It?, where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks and yours. Joined, as always, by Craig Moorhead. Craig, how are you? Sean, I am, uh, well, you know what? We were just talking about it. It was a dark weekend. It was uh, a dark weekend. We lost Chadwick Boseman. Mm. Uh, I, I heard a, a friend of mine from high school passed away as well in, in maybe not the best circumstances. It's been a little dark, Sean. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I'm sorry to you and to uh, your friend's family and all that. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I'll be the first to say that I've never claimed and, uh, you know, gave myself the badge of being a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. Didn't even love Black Panther, say more so than any of the other movies. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that guy was so char- charismatic. Charismatic is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely. And um, way too young in the circumstances of it, having battle cancer for four years uh it's terrible and i realized that this episode is gonna be coming out weeks after so people just be sad all over again yeah but double dipping sadness yeah it seemed like such a great guy from everything that's that's been said and shared about him and um yeah he just inhabited that role and it's an iconic role and an important one with black panther for sure so the memory and the legend will live on uh, for a long time to come, I think. Yeah. Heard it compared to Heath Ledger, and that, that seems pretty fair to me. I don't know. Um, fair enough. I mean, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's, that's a, it's a very big void. Indeed. No well, here's to, uh, I feel uh, stupid even saying here's to better days because it just, this year does not <laughs> seem to be giving us any not better days, but time. damn it. We'll hope nonetheless. Yeah. Hey, Craig, if people have some bad news or just uh, maybe even some optimism to share with us, where would they do that if they wanted to do that? Yeah, I mean, Sean, that's a good idea. You know, anybody, if you have any good news, now's the time to really lay it on us. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. You can find us at Never Podcast. Facebook, we are also Never Podcast. Instagram, it is NHOIT Podcast. You know, anywhere we are, you know, send us your uh, cute kitten videos. Mm. Uh, everyone God, could please. use a couple of cute kitten videos right about now. You know what's adorable, Craig? What's that? Look this up. Everybody go look this up. This will make you feel good about life. It's a video on YouTube of a hummingbird snoring. It's the darndest thing. It's a, it sounds exactly <laughs> like what you would imagine a hummingbird snoring sounds like. You got to see it. Go find it. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, it'll change your life. I will, I will look that up. Uh, okay. <laughs> and, and while all of you are looking that up, you can also look up the different places where you can find our podcast, the actual episodes, this, this thing you're listening to right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find them all free of charge uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and apparently CastBox. We have a new addition to the list. Oh. Uh, regardless, anywhere you find it, if you can subscribe to it and, and if you can leave a review, those things would be fantastic because it helps people find the podcast and then, uh, you know, then we hear from more people and it just it's this cycle that gets us uh, larger and happier, all of us, all of us getting as large as possible. I don't know where I'm going with that, Sean, but um, <laughs> here's where I'm going with the podcast. 
Sean, I'm interested to know, unless you have other business to talk about, what you've watched since the last time we talked. Absolutely. I mean, I did want to say real quickly also that the way they got the hummingbirds to go to sleep in that video was to play this very podcast. So we are the number one podcast for making hummingbirds sleep. There so is just, no better uh, way. Put that out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's great. No, Craig, it was dark weekend, but my screen wasn't dark. Um, so there was that. I've got a couple things. And I'm going to start with the most important and sound the fanfare. I finally finished Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, that's fantastic. And I'm not apologizing for how long it took me because I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed <laughs> only like soaking in two episodes at a time, max every sure. night or around every night. And yeah, just what a very satisfying conclusion. Um, it felt like a mature... And that's the thing that I'm just still amazed about. They got the tone right almost every single time. It was, uh, you know, funny and just hitting that spot where it's mature but still immature. Yeah. And played to that large audience that it no doubt has at this point. Great stuff. And I can't recommend it enough. My daughter has started The Legend of Korra. So I'm, I'm hearing little bits and pieces about that. And it sounds pretty interesting, too. So Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's uh, look. It's no Avatar, The Last Airbender, but uh, yeah. but I mean, if you liked that world, I mean, it's still, it's, there's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, I'm going to take a break from it, yeah. uh, but I, I would like to check it out at some point. So a couple other things. Uh, I finished the Adam McGoyan film Exotica, mm -hmm. which is on the Criterion channel right now, yeah. and really enjoyed that. I'd never seen that one before. In fact, I think the only other film of his I've seen is A Sweet Hereafter, and this thing is like... I was describing it to somebody else as like what you would imagine if David Lynch was Canadian. Like mm -hmm. it's it's not as violent or perhaps um, dark and sinister as as Lynch's you know surrealism can feel at times. Right. But it, it still has this like hypnotic quality to it. Um, Elias Coteus is in this thing. Fantastic. Bruce Greenwood is great. Um, Mira. Mia Kirshner was not an actress I was familiar with, but she was really good in this as well. It's a weird little dark thing, and I, just one of these is like these different storylines going on in circles, and then they all kind of tie together at the end. You're like, oh, okay, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. So if you're into that kind of thing, check out Exotica. Uh, we watched The Greatest Showman, which was not one I had seen yet, and while well, anyone in my family had seen which is a three-year-old movie now. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming maybe you've seen this already. I have not. Oh, really? Okay. I know what you're talking about, but no, yeah, I haven't seen it. It's on uh, Disney Plus. So if uh, you know you, you and the family are looking for something with some some snappy tunes to it, mm -hmm. it's it's interesting. I mean, it, it certainly was just like, okay, uh, here's the true version of events, and uh, we're just going to set that to the side. And because <laughs> I don't know, I mean, I'm sure, like, I didn't even really look into it. My wife did a little, but I already knew. I was like, I guarantee they're not covering like because you hear stories of like animal cruelty and stuff with any circus. Sure. Certainly, Barnum is no stranger to that discussion. Yeah. And I was like, well, they ain't putting that in this movie. No, no, and they no. didn't. That'd be but, that'd make um, a really weird song, you know. That's a <laughs> that mid-show like real showstopper about yeah. not being nice to the elephants is not yeah doesn't play well. No, but it's been a bleak year, you know. I thought maybe they just put that in the new ver the 2020 version. That's you know out might there. as well, no. yeah. right? Um, 
No, it's okay. It's it's fine. Um, there's moments that I think work really well, and there's others that um, just feel a little thin, I guess, story-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Hugh Jackman is as likable as ever, and Michelle Williams was in this, which I always appreciate seeing her. Um, you got Zac Efron, who I did not know was in this, and um, yeah, I, I don't mind him either. So, yeah, uh, and the music's good. So that's, I mean, that's kind well, of. I mean, what that's you're what for. you came for. Yeah, exactly. And the last thing, I watched a short film on Criterion Channel. They've got a bunch of Bill Plimpton animated shorts up I there. I saw and that. I know. It's like I feel like that in some ways. Uh, well, I think I watched it right after the film we were going to talk about today, and I was just like, yeah, this just feels like what I think of when I think of 90s alternative animation. <laughs> I think of Bill Plimpton. Yeah. So it was called How to Make Love to a Woman, and it's hysterical. If you've ever, never seen it, I really liked it. It's really funny. Oh, it's almost like, like it's presented as if it's like some user manual, um, and it's just like a man and a woman meeting, and then it goes through the steps, and gets surreal and gory and, and all these wonderful things that uh, that Bill Plimpton does. So I look forward to checking out more of those shorts uh, before they leave the Criterion Channel at some point. Absolutely, Craig, yes. Yeah, what have you watched? Uh, well, here's what I've watched, Sean. I uh, watched with the wife. Uh, this is one of our favorite movies. It's not really a talked-about movie for good reason. It It does kind of fall off at the end and I don't know I think most people wouldn't even really want to watch it at all which makes it even more special to me 1942's Casablanca 1942's no uh it is uh I believe 2005's Just Friends starring uh Ryan Reynolds and uh uh uh, Amy Smart who are the people in it and wait uh, this is this the one where he's like fat in part of the movie or no? In in high school, he's overweight. He's kind of okay. a nerd. <laughs> yes. And I've never seen it, but I know which one you're talking about. Now. Yeah. And he, he's, he's very good friends with Amy Smart. But of course, he's in love with Amy Smart. And she just thinks of him as her best friend. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. And so then he, he vows, you know, he 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 um, he confesses this to her. It does not go well. And he sort of vows to, you know, I don't know basically become a player you know this is 2005 oh yeah and uh and man you know it's 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 the story boy if 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 it just nailed that last like 20 minutes i think this movie would be so much more highly regarded uh as it is it kind of just has a bunch of different endings until it gets to the ending you were hoping for Mm -hmm. you know uh, things just keep going wrong until they go right. And it's kind of like, oh, okay. But more than that, uh, it's to me, it's just the bits. I think Ryan Reynolds is very funny, so that's a big part of it. If you don't find sure. him funny, you're not going to find this funny. Because it is very Ryan Reynolds. Uh, but uh, he, he's he's got a, a younger brother in the movie. And the relationship between the two of them, to me, is hysterical. Uh, and, uh, ah, man. What's her name from the scary movie movies? Anna Ferris. Yeah, Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Love her. Yeah. She is also hysterical, obviously. She's fantastic. Really everybody Julie Haggerty plays his mom and she's fantastic. Nice. Yeah. It's 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 such a good little find cuz yeah, it's it's not a movie that people I feel like really like a lot, but man, I mean, <laughs> I laugh hysterically through the whole thing. Okay. 
Uh, and that's I'll, streaming. I'll have to check it out sometime then. Yeah, yeah. It's very good light fare. If you want to forget about your problems for a couple hours. I say, oh, perfect. God, I remember like those naive days of 2005. Oh, it was like the salad days, weren't they? Well, and, and yeah, besides all the tasty salads, this movie goes <laughs> all the way back to 1995 at the beginning. So it's like. Oh, even better. You're going all the way back. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, that's just Friends. TV wise, holy shit. You watched Friends? I just started. There's a show called, uh, no, no, <laughs> not Friends, but, but good guess. Okay. No, uh, we started pairing up Lovecraft Country yeah. with Ted Lasso. And I love both of these shows so much, oh, I good. can't stand it right now. They are okay. the, exactly the kind of shows I want to be watching right now. They couldn't be more different from each other. Yeah. Uh, I, Ted Lasso is, <laughs> it's, it's hysterical. It's great. It's, yeah, I keep hearing, I, I see like reviews of like, huh, this is actually really good, yeah. you know, because it doesn't sound like a great premise by any means. Um, I don't I think on its surface. The premise itself doesn't really grab you, but they have, they're doing fantastic writing and they have a perfect cast. This is the perfect role for Jason Sudeikis. Oh, great. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah. I mean, he has never been cast this well <laughs> in anything. It, you could watch this. I feel like I could watch this all day long. Like, it is, it's really, really sharp. Um, mm. And yet, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of the creators is the guy who did Scrubs, I think, which I kind of feel was a similar show. It didn't really, like, oh, my God, I got to watch Scrubs. But if you watched Scrubs, it's a pretty funny show. Mm-hmm. Like, they are, they're yeah. constantly kind of, like, uh, uh, just hitting you with like not that usual sort of sitcom like set up punchline set up punchline but I mean just the characters are funny and like what's their situations are truly funny so anyway big recommends on Lovecraft Country and Ted Lasso great and finally I'll recommend a podcast called Rabbit Hole uh, I think it actually came out I mean god maybe even two years ago I think last year but it's it's basically about people sort of uh, becoming uh, indoctrinated into either ultra right wing or ultra left wing politics through YouTube. Oh, fun! And I mean, it, like it, it documents this one guy who started out f- so far left, and it just shows you how he just went all the way right, and then ended up coming all the way back. And it was and the the crucial thing was, I mean, he was watching like eight hours of YouTube a day. Like oh, it was his sole yeah. sort of way of, of looking at entertainment. And it's, it is really fascinating. Goes into Gamergate, which I didn't know anything about. Goes into all kinds of stuff. Um, really very sobering. And it caused me to take YouTube off of all my children's devices <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. Uh, they no longer have any access to that godforsaken uh, 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 video platform that we take part in. So... Well, there is a YouTube Kids app, which I don't know, mm-hmm. like that before we had it, and there was still just like, oh, all the toy videos and things like that. The yeah. Like, yeah, just don't mess with that. Yeah. I don't know if it's gotten any better or not, but I'll just say, like, if there is something genuine that your kids enjoy on YouTube, there that might be a better platform for you. But uh, speaking of, yes, I'd be remiss not to <laughs> to bring up, we were just talking about people spend, you know, spending time and wasting it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um those of you that have been longtime listeners 
might enjoy checking out the comments on some of the videos that we have posted on YouTube, which really are just our episodes. And we, we kind of stopped yeah. doing it, you know, because it's, it's a bit of a hassle to convert them to, to video. But uh, as you brought to my attention, there was a, a gentleman who commented recently uh, giving us grief over our discussion of the TV film Murder in Coweta County, which starred Johnny Cash and Andy Griffith, who everybody knows is Andy Griffith, right? <laughs> right. From the Andy Griffith show. And uh, in this gentleman's comment making fun of us, called him Andy Griffin. So. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. YouTube. YouTube. It's YouTube. Mm -hmm. Forget it. It's YouTube. It's something. It just, yeah, it's, it's like Chinatown. Oh, one thing. I got a mm. PSA real quick. Mm. And I didn't bring it up because I haven't finished this by any stretch of the imagination. It's what I saw yesterday. Folks, if you're out there and you're working on your digital film library and you got movies floating around in iTunes, don't forget they get upgraded every now and then in mm. rear window. There's a couple Hitchcock movies that just got the treatment. Vertigo, Rear Window, and Psycho, I think. Oh. I think maybe The Bird's Neck. Rear Window threw that up on the projector last night. Ah, amazing. And looks really, really good. Oh, I bet it does. I'll have more to say about it, but I was what I was most impressed by because I watched a good chunk of that movie not too long ago, and it looked great. It's like really bright, you know. It's that sort of 60s colors it's and like all that stuff. deep color, yeah. But... With the HDR version, it adds this, like, the shadows look darker. And for that movie, like, that works really well. Like, James Stewart sitting in his apartment looking out. It's like, it is a little more creepy now. Um, it fits the tone of that really well. So what I've seen so far, That's I'm just fantastic. blown away. Looks great. That's awesome. Um, yep. So go check your, your libraries. Um, Craig. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that back in the day, I believe you used to be called the Kiwi Kid. So yeah, oh, I thought this movie might appeal a lot to you, and maybe it's one of the reasons that you brought it up. We watched The Watermelon Woman, which mm -hmm. we teed up last week. This is a 1996 comedy. Uh, they throw in drama and romance, but I think it's mostly comedic for uh, the uh, duration of its hour and a half runtime. Right. And we have writer-director Cheryl Dunye. There's one other writer who, of course, is not on the main page, and IMDb must make me click. Doug McCowan. Mm -hmm. yeah, McCowan, I think. Uh, starring Cheryl Dunye, Guinevere Turner, Valerie Walker, and I'm going to cut it off at, nope, Lisa Marie Bronson, and where's Bob? Who's the guy that played Bob? Christopher Riddenauer. I wanted to mention him. There so is. this is the film uh, that Letterboxd.com tells us is Cheryl, a young black lesbian who works a day job in a video store while trying to make a film about a black actress from the 1930s known for playing the stereo stereotypical mammy roles relegated to black actresses during that period. This was the first feature film directed by an out black lesbian. So uh, a milestone film for that reason, mm -hmm. if nothing else. But, you know, still got to tell a story and entertain us, right? Yes. So, Craig, mm. what did you make of The Watermelon Woman? Well, Sean. Uh, did I surprise you with that question? I'm sorry. You did. I, I've never, okay. <laughs> I never expect you to ask me how I felt I, I really, about the movie yeah. we just watched. I'm not going to ask you something else if you'd like. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah. I think this is an especially <laughs> appropriate question for this episode. Okay. Uh, 
what did I make of it? I mean, you know, it's interesting you ask it that way. I feel I don't feel like I certainly didn't make anything more of it than what has already been made of it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Going in, I know that it is, and I mean, correct me if I've got my facts wrong, but this is the first movie, independent movie, maybe first movie written and directed by a lesbian filmmaker. Well, a black lesbian, filmmaker. a black le lesbian filmmaker. Thank you. Yeah. So first movie directed by a black lesbian filmmaker. Uh, and, uh, you know, certainly not the only reason to, uh, think of the movie as, as, as having importance. I mean, she definitely, uh, came up with something that felt important to tell. Uh, you know, clearly she had thoughts about what was going on at the time and, mm -hmm. and kind of what needed to be out there. Um, I, ha but I have to say I, it didn't, and this may have something to do with me not, uh, being a straight white guy. Uh, not really having a lot of connection to the world of being a black lesbian, which I know is sounds weird, but it's true. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about it. Um, well, so did you it, learn something about it from this, Craig? I mean, did I learn something? Boy, I mean, it's a good question. What, what, what I like the most about the movie is that while it was clearly about lesbians... And, and the world there and filmmaking and being a black woman and a black lesbian trying to make films and trying to sort of explore what history there is there and realizing that you can't find anything about that because no one was keeping that history. Uh, I mean, like, that's a pretty staggering thing to come up with. And then realizing that she then sort of created her own history for it was like, oh, that's that's a, what a great premise like that's really really interesting mm -hmm. um and 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 the the way the movie handles everything obviously if it was written and directed by me a straight white man um <laughs> it would have been not only off the mark but just it wouldn't it wouldn't have any sort of authenticity to it i guess no. Right. And it would have um, been called the Kiwi Kids. So. The Kiwi Kids. And and actually probably no. If somebody like me back then wrote and directed that, the the black lesbian character would have been like a sidekick. And then to all the other white people. Uh, well, I was gonna say I think someone did write and direct this back then, and it was called Clerks, right? It was I mean more or less. That's the white male sort right. of gaze on on some similar subject matter, but only by proximity. Right. hundred percent. I, I thought a lot about clerks during that. Yeah. Uh, again, because I'm a straight white man. <laughs> sure. Because no, I mean, we're the only ones who really fair. think yeah. about clerks. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there is, there is definitely a, certainly a very similar feel between the two movies, not mm -hmm. so much in, in subject matter or anything, but just that feeling of like, oh yeah, like these people are new. They are fresh. They're raw. Uh, they're a little inexperienced. There's amateurishness to it. Mm -hmm. But that's a part of what makes it unique. Uh, but I got to say, at the end of the day, I, I found myself not connecting with it much more than I was connecting with it, just on a personal level. How did you feel about it? What 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 did you get out of it? I got, I think, what I kind of was hoping to get more out of from In the Soup, which was just a, a nostalgically pleasing experience. Mm -hmm. um, and 
it was hard not to think of Clerks just because that's certainly the one I saw from the era that resonated with me in the sense of, oh, this guy's working in a video store and it's clearly made by somebody who did not have a lot of money and just got their friends together to make mm -hmm. this thing. A lot uh, of friends. I, yeah, I think, it, you know, this is definitely not as funny as a movie uh, as Clerks. Um, it's it's not intended anywhere near for the same audience per se. Sure, but it still it still had some of the same charm to me, I guess, that mm -hmm. I liked about it, and I really liked this sort of aspect of using kind of this fictional project that she's working on as an excuse to have sort of documentary style footage woven into this. Yes. So the form of it is much more different. It's not entirely. You know, it's not nuts and bolts narrative at all mm -hmm. um, as far as like, you know, it feeling or even attempting to be like a typical just three act narrative story, I guess. And to me, that kind of made it OK that, you know, I, I think literally there's times where you can tell the actor just missed their line and stumbled over it and then keeps going, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't know, I kind of just was like, I like these little imperfections and that's fine. It reminds me a little bit of, you know, student films here and there sure. every now and then. And just that spirit of like, okay, you could just go make a movie back then. And yes. you know what? It wasn't going to look like you weren't going to be able to just really make it look slick. Like you had right. to have money to even come near that. Now it's a little, you know, it's a little more feasible at the lower ends of the economic bracket yeah uh but not here and so i don't know i just was like that's cool i can dig this i really like cheryl dunya i think she's a really um easy easy to uh to enjoy agree uh, performance wise even though yeah she's she's not like an, an actress per se but just watching her on film her enthusiasm that she has as this character wanting to make a movie um despite everything else that's going on and her enthusiasm in the subject I like seeing people wear shorts and Doc Martens. That just mm -hmm. <laughs> like immediately takes me back, you know? And even thinking about something like the show A Different World, which I know came out in the late 80s, but still kind of like bleeds over to the 90s. And right. with just like some of the font choices and the colors, mm -hmm. there's definitely a, a Spike Lee influence. They reference Spike Lee in the film itself. Yeah. And... It, it's it's a product of its time. But to me, it was kind of like, maybe my expectation was higher on In the Soup because of, you know, it's Buscemi, it's Cassell, it's these people that definitely had careers before and, and certainly after. Right. And maybe I'm a little more forgiving of this because, yeah, it's not. It feels like a, a one-off kind of thing that she did mm -hmm. just to make a movie. And I dig it. And I'm it is... It's cool that this got found, you know, and I, but I, I would it have if it weren't the first film from a, an openly black lesbian, lesbian, right. excuse me. I don't know, but I don't know that that's fair to even ask because you can't subtract it. It, it is what it is. Like it, it is the film. So you can't right. like remove that, but um, it well, should have gotten more attention at the time and better late than never, you know? Sure. Uh, and, and I mean, really what I was thinking a lot throughout it was, like, I really wonder how this plays for you if uh, 
not 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 only if you fall in this demographic, but certainly if at the time you were a black lesbian, you were not being represented in movies mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. And then here's this movie comes out of nowhere, and I, I don't know. I would assume you would be like keyed completely into this, uh, and because I because it's not a movie that's made for people who don't understand the world, the culture. No, and I would even, it it would be interesting to know sort of what the attitudes from uh, the heterosexual community was, even the African-American community at that time. You know, it's not, I mean, I I think certainly we made strides um, as far as our like openness, you know, way before gay marriage was even like remotely being considered as an actual opportunity or possibility. Um, So, yeah, I, I don't know how it would have landed then even in that world. Um, right. So it feels like, yeah, maybe it's time is now. <laughs> and yeah. it would be cool if, um, you know, I, I would love to see her just make a sequel, like right now and, and wonder what that would look like if if it would, sure. um, you know, like you, you tap back into some of the stylistic things that were probably just uh, done out of necessity to right. get an actual movie. You know, there's like those little right. interstitials where they're just hanging out on the roof, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's music playing. It was almost like a little music video kind of. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I dug it. I like I like that video store atmosphere. I mean, there's good sort of camaraderie between her and, and Tamara and the playfulness of that and the Bob character who's the boss at the video store. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I may be being a little more... Um, I don't know, forgiving of it because of just how, how damn small it is <laughs> more than anything else. Sure. You know what sure. else it reminded me of? What's that? That first season of The Real World. Did you ever watch that? <laughs> the one in New York? Oh, no, I didn't. But I, I know, I, I see what you're saying, though. It yeah, Because it was like me growing up in North Carolina in a small town. Right. It's like that first season of The Real World was like, oh, this is what it's actually like to live in a place like New York. Like, I had no idea, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're young and you get in fights and uh, yeah. you yell at each other and um, all these things. And, um, you know, your friends <laughs> are trying to make music and do these different things. Um, yeah. So, and it's way more diverse, all that stuff. So I think, um, I don't know, like it would have been good if movies like this had had wider distribution options like streaming in the 90s. Yeah. Um, I, I bet there's so many more of these that had like small festival run in some very specific festival and then just died, you know, and just went nowhere. Sure, um, sure. Well, and, but I have to say I'm, I'm still kind of surprised that, I mean, this came out in 96. Uh, that was in Berlin anyway, and then... It was in the U.S. in '97. I'm like, man, we were in the thick of film school then. When I, Never I, I seem to remember, like, with this, yeah. I seem to remember, like, looking for every small movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of surprised that, that I've never heard the title before. I mean, um, not only that, like 2006, I hadn't heard of this. In 2016, well, that, I hadn't heard yeah, of this. You know, yeah. Um, no, it's kind of fascinating. I, I do think it just like the times caught up with it a little bit, which is really for interesting. Sure. I mean, it, it was definitely way ahead of its time, mm-hmm. no doubt about it. And and again, I, if if I was somebody who was just who was really needing a movie like this, and that dropped in my lap in '96 and '97, that would have been just earth shattering. That would have been amazing, right? Yeah. 
but again, it's a it's a small community that is at least open about mm-hmm. like that kind of thing at the yeah. time, um, or even open to this idea for a movie who aren't in that community. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about story a little bit because I, I think there's there's two threads which were mentioned in that Tia, I mean in the well in the Tia, but also in the logline kind of thing. Um, and that is so Cheryl, this young woman who's working at a video store and um, has her group of friends and is single, playing feel a little bit. She goes on a date uh, early in this film, but not with someone that she's ever really serious about. And she ends up kind of getting involved with a white woman who was a customer at the store. And that is kind of... I don't know. It's like B story that becomes A story, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's unfair to pick one in this particular instance because right. the movie kind of begins with um, Cheryl and Tamara doing some videography wedding work, which is another thing. I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie about the people that film weddings, which I kind of loved. Like, yeah, I was like, yeah. I, kind of, I kind of wanted to see a little more of that, honestly. Like, if that had been their job versus working in the video store like that might have made me just as happy but um (laughs) what she really wants to do with that equipment and everything and the money that she's making is explore this idea for this documentary that she's trying to film about yeah about black actresses from the 30s and before um, specifically the ones that most of them were uh, relegated to playing the help for white people you know yeah and so she kind of fixates on this one woman, which I'll say this, it was never clear to me the name, the watermelon woman, um, how that was necessarily associated with the actress Faye Richards, the fictional actress from these fictional films of the era. Mm-hmm. Was that explained? Am I just blanking on that? Well, I, I assumed that what she was saying was uh, because these actresses were generally not credited at the end. Ah, that, right. That her her credit was Watermelon Woman mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, that, I bet that, you're right. That's what I thought it was, yeah. Yeah. So the movie kind of just, it, you know, it, it mixes all this stuff throughout. There's moments where she's, you know, working in the video store and there's moments where it's about her dating and then you'll just kind of cut to her pursuing a thread, uh, a lead, an interview to learn more about this Faye Richards woman. And what she discovers is that, you know, Faye Richards most likely was involved with the white female director that she worked the most with, a woman by the name of Martha Page, and involved more than just in a working relationship. And so trying to find people that can confirm that and bear that out, and it sort of um, presented as if, you know, this is a pretty big discovery that she's made here. Mm Mm-hmm. How and and maybe this is is certainly I think something that in a different movie would have connected those two worlds in a different way. Mm-hmm. But what about you? What was your sort of takeaway as far as those two things kind of working together as parallel stories? I guess in a in a like a thematic sense, I guess if there's one to be had. Well, I mean, you know, that was, this is one of my biggest problems with it. I was not making great connections between all that stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was so distracted most of the time 
by, and I mean, I put this all on myself, but a lot of the time I was like, is this thing she's talking about real? Or is this something that's been made up for the movie? And that happened several times through the movie. Like, it seemed clear that the watermelon woman was not a real person. Right. But at the same time, like, for some reason, just in my head, it was just like, ah, but is it? Like, I couldn't, for some reason, that was always bouncing around in there. I would say that's the success of the film then, because it's certainly, it's fictional, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly fictional. I mean, it looks fictional like the clips that they use seem fictional yeah but but there was just this thought in my head that was just like i couldn't get rid of it like and i looked i'd look it up on imdb and it's like no no it doesn't exist so it's not <laughs> real uh but i do and, wonder if there was if there's any inkling of a of an actual person that this is even modeled after whether right. or not they had a, a, a you know a, a lesbian affair of some kind or not um or same-sex affair um, right and I, I couldn't know. find that. I mean, and, and, yeah, I, I mean, if, yeah, if there's any parallel between Cheryl and and Faye Richards, it seems to be that, you know, uh, just for I, well, I guess that's the thing is like Cheryl, the character seems to really be kind of taking some inspiration from Faye because, I mean, this was a long time ago yeah. and she was just she just seemed to be less just, you know, living out loud like she was just like, hey. I'm a lesbian and I'm going to be with this woman and that's fantastic, you know, and, and I, I don't know, like there seemed to be some connection there, but I'm not sure again, like uh, the things I was thinking about during the movie were not always the movie itself. Yeah. So that was a bit of a problem. I think, you know, it, it's just one of those things where maybe we're so accustomed to looking for those two things to connect and where this movie is, is almost like a, a leaning experimental even. like Because there's like so many obvious ways, I think, that it could have been handled. Um, Cheryl's white girlfriend is somehow financing the rest of Cheryl's film, you know. And so it's like... sure. Oh, okay. I need to look at my like. Am I being exploited somehow by my girlfriend Diana? Was Faye being exploited somehow by Martha Page, this director that she worked for? Him? And like, it doesn't really do that. It's not really about being an interracial couple. I mean, I don't think there's not a huge bit of discussion, or there doesn't seem to be a ton of debate going on internally by Cheryl regarding right. her relationship. Tamara, though. Tamara, yeah, it comes up with her friends. A couple times, she seems to be saying, like, why do you want to be white? Why are you going out this white mm-hmm. girl? There does seem, like, it, it's it's sort of touched on, and it's touched on, on this at this dinner as well, but that was something where it's like, it's touched on, and then it's then it's over. Yeah, and I, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, there was a bit where Cheryl and Diana are discussing the fact that Diana had several black boyfriends when she was younger. Right. Um, but I'm kind of blinking on where that conversation goes. Like, I, I seem to recall that scene kind of ending more like they were just kind of like having, it wasn't like a fight even. It was just like, okay, yeah, you can't stay in bed with me this morning because you got to go work on the project. It's always about the project, right? So it was, it was more right. like that sort of like work, uh, commitment versus time. Yeah, like she, but you're right. Cheryl was annoyed with her. 
something about her talking about having had black boyfriends that seemed to kind of set it off. So I guess yeah. you're right. Like, like what Tamara but, said was kind of in her head. But it was never like it. Like I just watched the opening of Get Out the other night, just uh, just because I was like, oh, you know, I wanted to see this again. Yeah. And you know, there's just that one little line where he says to his white girlfriend, "Your parents know I'm black, right?" Like you know, and right. like this movie doesn't. It doesn't just have like one of those like expository lines that puts that sort of the conflict out there, you know. Um, and it's, I think it's the same regarding her sexuality. Like it's, uh, it doesn't seem to be a conflict whatsoever. Right. Right. And I, I think, I mean, that's, what's cool about this movie is, is it's certainly for the time. It, it's just letting, you know, characters who have been marginalized by movies certainly just be themselves. Right. Like yeah. that, 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 those things aren't the source of the conflict. And yet as, just as moviegoers, like I'm so, so ingrained on me to look for those moments, right? 100%. Because it's a story thing as much as anything else. Like that's drama is always built upon those things. And this is this movie doesn't really do that, which I do think is, is, is cool, but also maybe why it's uh, a little less like emotionally engaging when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, and, and why I think those two storylines do don't really, you know, they don't really make a uh, a tapestry, if you will. I guess, yeah, uh, for me anyway, of like a, some sort of like emotional, uh, you know, connections. So I guess. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, there aren't really stakes for Cheryl mm -hmm. uh, outside of she wants to make this film. It's a good point about this thing. And she's interested in this history and this history is important to her, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not like, it's not like she's obsessed with it. Um, it's not like it, it like breaks her down as a character and she, you know, it, none of that, like we we're saying, I mean, it's, it's none of that sort of traditional character work of she is just by the end, she's just stripped of everything. And then she sees who she really is. And, you know, comes back fighting or something. It's it's nothing like that. Like she's just no. making a movie and fact, she's living um, her life. Well, I wanted to ask you about the Diana storyline and how that kind of wraps up because I, I'm honestly blanking on, I feel like she wasn't even in the last couple scenes of the movie. No, and I don't think she was. So do you have a reading on, I don't remember them like it feeling like their relationship was necessarily over though. Do you? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I did take her leaving the bedroom that day, not as a breakup, but as, well, this isn't going well. And okay. then, and then from there, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Cheryl then goes to interview someone who's very important, who has, um, who, who had donated a bunch of Faye Richards stuff yeah. to this, uh, to clit. Yes. Uh, which we, which <laughs> we can talk about, but, um, I'll let you explain that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, and it's like a very important interview when she gets there. The woman is like in the hospital. Uh, she's been taken to the hospital. And so she doesn't get the interview. Boy, I can't even remember how that wraps up, to be honest. I know she calls Tamara after that. Mm -hmm. And Tamara like, can't talk to her. Uh, but boy, I mean, she doesn't get like a final interview with the no, lady, I don't she think. She gets a, a letter, I think, from... 
the lady, uh, I'm not sure if it's the lady that's in the hospital or the neighbor to the lady that was in the hospital. Right. Um, that, that, yes, yeah, Cheryl was hoping to interview and, and had known, um, Faye. And I, I think like the takeaway from that was ultimately like it kind of confirmed what, what Cheryl was thinking was probably the case. With Faye. Right. Okay. But yeah, as far as the, where that leaves Diana, like, I don't know, like even that scene where she left, um, you know, the bed essentially to go work on her project, like it, it didn't feel like a something that they couldn't recover from. I mean, like, again, like it wasn't even a fight, really. It was just like, right. oh, okay, you're going to go do this as opposed to hang out with me. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Like, again, it's just like some of those dramatic benchmarks that you're looking for, just uh, they're not here uh, in no. favor of other things. So it keeps it, oddly, pretty light, you know? It does. I mean, it definitely stays light. Which there's, I, there's no question about that. Is maybe like a good delivery method for this subject matter, but also sure. I was like, man, you could have a really intense drama. I mean, like I could totally see like the Hollywood version of this now, like yeah. some sort of biopic that's kind of going back, like a uh, uh, what was that that Julie and Julia or whatever, where it's sort of just like you know you've got oh one, yeah you know she's like yeah. totally obsessed with this actress, and you, you know we're seeing the actual actress's life play out. Yeah. Um, so we should go sell that. Come on, Cheryl, call me. Let's go. Yeah, pitch that. let's. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, get it done. Um, well, I mean, you know, and that was something I did think about a lot during the movie. Was I'd almost rather this movie be ma mainly about her putting together that documentary. Mm -hmm. And and you know, I mean, for for my money, while there may be connections, like I'm not getting a lot out of the video store and her relationship and stuff. Yeah. I'd almost rather just it be her going and trying to uncover this story. Cause that's the thing she seems the most interested in. Yeah. As a character. And like, that's kind of what I want her to, to crack open. Uh, what did you make of the interviews that she got? I, I think, um, that's a tricky thing to do to get people to act like they're not acting and just being yeah. <laughs> interviewed in a documentary. And I thought there were times where she was really successful and then every now and then there were a couple of people that I'm like, yeah, you can kind of tell they're, yeah, they're they're reading from the page, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean like, that that was tough, and and that would that would generally be a hard thing to do because if you're yeah. getting like I think her first interview is with her mom, her actual mm -hmm. mom, and yeah, I mean mom is probably not a a top tier improv artist, <laughs> so. They usually yeah, are. she she definitely had lines, and she and she wasn't really bad. No, she was fine. But it, but it was enough where you could tell. Yeah, she's not winging it. Yeah, and the guy I, I'm blanking on his name, but the guy that was sort of like the collector, you know, whose house was full of memorabilia from the area oh, yeah. for black cast films and stuff like, and he he was just like a shade too, um, too much, I guess, is just the word I'm looking for. Maybe. Like it just like it just tipped over into acting just barely, I thought for me with that guy. Yeah. But um, but still pretty um admirable. But I, I do think you're right. Like, yeah, there's definitely a version of this where it's just like that, uh, to use your rabbit hole podcast, um, just going down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out the story of yeah. what happened. And again, it would just be a different movie entirely. Well, what did you think of the actual video store scenes themselves? I mean, aside from like trying, you know, maybe less interested in that storyline. But um, 
yeah, just being in a video store again. What did you think of that? <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, just, just the the comfort that that I felt uh, being surrounded by shelves of video art is amazing. I I kid you not when I say I have had not many, but I've had dreams of being in video stores. Really, just being in a video store, just looking at the videos that I could rent at a video store. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's uh, <laughs> I kind of miss it. Um, well, I thought but, of you for sure when, you know, the way that Cheryl meets Diana is Diana is in the store and Cheryl actually is helping her and, and Diana's looking for some recommendations. I don't remember what movie she was checking out, but it was, it was, uh, let's see, uh, two for Tuesday basically or whatever, you yeah. know, where you oh, rip man. one, you get one free. Yeah. yeah. And so she was trying to help her find this double pairing. And one of the first movies she mentioned was Carrie. And I was like, yes. oh, man, then she's throwing out some horror stuff for Craig here. It's like, I'm totally down for that. Yeah, and Repulsion, Polanski's film. Um, oh, yeah. Aliens, she she calls out. Yeah. Yep. Um, I was like, man, yeah. Yeah. I did- All interesting, very uh, strong female leads. Yes. Uh, interesting choices for, for this movie. thought that was intentional for sure. For sure. Um, one of the things that I really liked that I never thought about, but I do wonder if it happened was they use this device of uh, another way of getting Cheryl and Diana to interact and also sort of like push along this little runner about Tamara, the friend watching porn, was the employees will fill out a special order for a film as if one of the clients, uh, customers at the store has requested it. And then when they come in, I guess they, they just take the tapes or at least watch them. Um, mm-hmm. And that included a bunch of porn that, that Tamara was getting, but also some of the films that, that uh, Cheryl was looking to see that had Faye or like some of the actresses from the era. And of course they get busted doing this at one point because they use Diana's name. But um, I don't know. Like I wonder if that happened, but I also was like wondering about, well, what is, what does the customer do when they find out? Like, how do you, like, who ends up paying for that, I guess, is what I was trying to figure out. Like, Well, I thought the scam was that you ordered under the character's uh, account, and then you return it. So okay. you basically get to watch it for free. You just watch it for free, and you send it back again. Nobody and you send has it to back. pay for it, yeah. right? Because, I don't, know, I don't know if you know this, in 1996, you couldn't stream every movie ever made. What? I know. It's weird. It's so weird. But you actually had to, you know, it's funny actually because that particular bit made me think I worked at, uh, there used to be these things called music stores where you would buy CDs and records Hmm. and stuff. And I worked in one in Charlotte, North Carolina called Camelot Superstore. Oh, I remember Camelot. Yeah. Dude, I I, I really loved working in that store. Man, Sean, we had had a whole Laserdisc section. You know what I mean? Uh, But anyway... But I was put in charge at one point of ordering movies. My, my manager came to me and said, uh, you know, look through here, find some things that you think our customers would like that, that we just don't have, like not the normal stuff. Oh like, God, that's like, like a look dream for some job, of, Craig. Well, that's what I'm saying. I was never asked to do it again. So that says a lot. Yeah. But, but <laughs> there, there was that, that feeling of like, like, this is the only way you can really see movies. Like, this is it. Like, if I want to find something weird... This is pretty much it. And, yeah. and I mean, we're talking about when these movies would come out, at first, they would always be priced for rental, which means to buy a tape would be $100. And it was just like, 
to think of that now. A oh, yeah. VHS tape, you would have paid a hundred dollars. Yeah. No, I remember like seeing the list of Blockbuster, like stuff that was available to buy and just like it was crazy expensive. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, bizarre. I also like that this was one of the stores where they would put the box out, but not the actual tape. You had to take the box yes. to the counter and they would go get the tape for you, which yeah. definitely remember. Blockbuster kind of changed that a little bit because they would have the tapes and cases behind the box art, you know, if they mm -hmm. had it in stocks at, at some places I know. Um, I just want to put this out here too, Craig. Yeah. If there's any head honchos at any of the streaming services listening to this, I will right now sign a deal with you to just be available eight hours a day for people to like zoom and get a recommendation. Like if they want to watch something. Oh that, yeah. You know, right. Like we got to sure. get this. I do miss that. Like I, you were taking me back to the sound shop. That was the, the tape CD store in, in the mall in my hometown. And there was, yeah. there was just that one guy there that worked there, you know, that I would go in and say like, Hey man, like, I'm, I'm looking for this. And like, what do you think I should get? You know, or like, do you have this? And he's like, yeah, you got to check out this, you know, always those guys, you know, man, it's true. Them. It's true. I mean, our guys, uh, especially up in the, we're really going on a tangent now, Let's but <laughs> there was an upstairs to the Camelot superstore Yeah, and it had a jazz and international music section and a classical section. Oh. Yeah, and the guys who worked up there, every now and again, I would work the jazz section. Oh, really? And I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know a PhD anything. to get up there. <laughs> the, the best part about being up there is generally nobody came up there. And two, you could choose any of the music you wanted from that section to play. And I actually found like a lot of stuff that I really liked. Mm. But, uh, but the guys who normally worked up there, Charles was the guy who worked in the <laughs> classical section. And I can't remember the guy who worked in the jazz section, but man, they knew everything. And it was, it was really cool to yeah. be able to talk to those guys. I mean, they would, if you asked them a question about those two departments, they were just your best friend. They were so excited. So yeah, I, I agree. I missed that. I wish, uh, I wish that was available. Yeah. I'm sure I know what's happening on forums. It's not like it just died. I don't want to sure. like make it seem like it did, you know, and, and but you know, so. you don't know who you're getting it from now. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, I can definitely attest that the kids are getting it from somewhere because I'm teaching some of them. They're not kids at all. They're 18, but man yeah. almighty, they have seen stuff I've never even heard of. Um, That's awesome. And classic stuff. So it's good. It's not like it's dying entirely, but yeah. yeah, it was it was a project. You know what? I think, Craig, it's possible. I know I've been to that store that you worked at, but I, I think my brother might have gone there at like midnight for the release of the Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 albums does that sound like something that would have happened at camelot superstore i mean it, it definitely would have happened there but yeah. that was a few years before my time okay yeah for but sure yeah it, that's because it was a standalone store so yeah, yeah they would have there were definitely uh, i think a few uh like in-store sort of events that would happen and that kind of stuff sure sure yeah, yeah. absolutely i'm so glad you worked there i'm so glad this movie oh, has man. led us to this discussion <laughs> but know, we'll bring it back to movie i mean there's stuff we're not hitting. I mean, Tamara is involved in yes. a relationship with a woman named Stacy, played by... Are you kidding me? She's not on the... IMDb, I'm going to kill you. Oh, we should say, yeah. right, real quickly, because we wondered about this in regards to the... Stacy Lee is Jocelyn Taylor. The In the tee-up, this mm -hmm. is the longest cast and crew list we've ever seen in our entire lives on IMDb. Right. A lot yeah. of these names are in the, in the, in the, uh, in the credits. It was yeah. a long credits, but they're yes. not in the movie, right? 
the people? Well, I mean, the only way that all those people are in the movie is if every single person you see in throughout the entire movie is credited in there. Like if every extra, their name is in there. But even then, were there that many extras? I mean, are you talking about like... I mean, this I mean, goes beyond right. background. This would be, I don't even know. It seems like a lot. I, I don't know. You know, honestly, I don't know. There's You're not right. a single but, crowd scene that I can recall anywhere with the exception of like the poetry slam, but that was a room of like 20, you know? <laughs> right. But even then I would say, yeah, like all those people are in there. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're definitely listed as cast, mm-hmm. aren't they? Yeah. I don't so, know. I mean, maybe like, almost even... clicked off the credits. I was like, no, wait, I got to look and see if all these people are in. It was a pretty long list. So, um, mm. yeah, I don't know. Somebody get this episode back to Cheryl, and I want to figure out what the hell is <laughs> the situation there. I would love to know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think would love to know. She's being really generous. No. Um, a couple things I want to mention is, first and foremost, the character of Annie, played by Shelley Olivier, which um, she yes. comes to work at the store, and she's kind of like a younger, naive um, white girl who is, um, I mean, she's just living the grunge life a little bit, you know, that she is, as I wrote down, she is pure 1996. Yeah. Which it's a little post grunge, maybe even at that point, but, um, oh, man. got the dyed hair and the lipstick mm-hmm. and the dog collar and the piercings and like, they were making fun of her. I think, you know, well, yeah, Tamara was, it's just like, you could see sort of like the generation gap there, even just a, a couple years, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, yeah. I enjoyed that. I did kind of, um, I, I dug the scene at the Poetry Slam because, uh, <laughs> again, it was a scene where Cheryl is supposed to be working and filming this thing. And, like, she's even, like, doing some directing for Multicam. You know, she's right. got Tamara and, uh, and Annie, this girl, set up doing uh, two cameras. And both of them keep focusing, like, on things that they should not be focusing on. And they're wearing <laughs> headsets. And she's just like, we just know we're just supposed to be filming the people performing. And Tamara's just like... Look at that girl right there. Oh, my gosh. She's just filming the crowd. Um, and I was just like, you know, it's it's so funny. Like, it, And also just kind of cool seeing it in this in this community because right. it, it's totally one of those things. It's just like from the dawn of time, you know, dudes gawking at women when they shouldn't be in comedies. Um, you know, certainly Revenge of the Nerds comes to mind immediately just as, as a one example. Um just over and over and over. And this is a very specific, <laughs> completely different slant on that, but it had the same effect, made me laugh. So I enjoyed yeah. that one. Um, that's it for me. What about what about you? What did you, uh, any other little moments? I mean, would, do you want to explain the clit? Sure. Uh, <laughs> it, it seems like a lot of people could use some information on this. Um, You're the man to deliver it. And I, if, if anyone, it's me. Yeah. Uh, clit is, I believe it stood for Center of Lesbian Information and Technology. I think that's it, correct? Which, uh, again, uh, you know, I read that name and I'm like, that's hilarious. What a funny fake place to come up with. And then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, is that fake? Am I sure it's fake? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I did and, the same thing. And it, it is sort of based on a place. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but but the lady who actually helps her uh, at Clit, I, I want to say, is a director of the place it's based on or something. Oh, really? 
Something like that, yeah. Like, there is definitely, like, a historical sort of archive. Uh, but, but yeah, they kind of give it a, a funny name, and it's... and. So yeah, so it's, it's again, funny. it's 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 funny, but it's a little distracting to me because I'm just like, but <laughs> this seems like how anyway, um, what did I say here? Well, I'll just point out uh, the actress who plays the clit archivist is yeah. Sarah Schulman. She is um, doing her best uh, classic. Uh, respect the literature librarian kind of slant on this specific place. Although she's um, extremely careless with the actual materials, which although it's pretty funny. I mean, um, it's definitely like she's not, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure a uh, classically trained comedian, perhaps, but nonetheless, that was pretty funny. uh, Well, and I, yeah, uh, I I liked the fact that the, 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 this place existed in the story. I like the fact that, that Cheryl was there and she's looking for the stuff. But like, I, I also sort of couldn't get my head around the fact like this lady did not want her to shoot anything. Yeah. You can't, you can't shoot anything. And all I could think was, well, then why did you let someone come in here and run a camera? Yeah. Um, so, so they're just like kind of little problems with setup. Again, it's just distractions for me. I'm just totally for distracted. Sure. I mean, that to me, like I'm watching that and I had the exact same thought. I'm just like, this is just- they just probably that's all they could do you know because there's like right. two camera setups in that whole scene i think right um, i mean maybe, yeah. yeah on the one hand i could see it exactly just sort of being like mm-hmm. we we gotta we gotta put some electricity in this scene yeah like, we gotta do something here and and sure enough i mean that's it, it's it's probably better than it would have been maybe if it was just played straight i don't know i don't know i'm trying to remember even because i know annie is the one filming in that scene I don't even know if there was like a reverse on her behind the camera. I'm trying to remember if she was even at that location. It was possible. They just like did oh, her, yeah, I don't her remember. voice uh, over, um, I don't know. But, it, you know, the Not budget was showing there, I think, specifically. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. But, yeah, I mean, you know, so she finds a bunch of stuff there that, that sends her on this new, uh, you know, tangent to find this stuff. Uh let me ask this, because this brings me to my next question, and this kind of happens between uh, Cheryl leaving Diana's when, when we're talking about, you know, did they break up there? It didn't seem like a breakup. Yeah. She leaves there, and the next thing, she's she's at a place, and she's really trying to get into a place. And I could not, I didn't understand what the place was. I didn't know where she was trying to get in, and then these two cops come up and harass her. Oh, right. And, and then nothing happens from that. And so, yeah. so there were little things like that where I was like, well, what, what was any, I didn't know where she was going or why she was there I, or what happened from I the cops harassing her. I think she was there uh, story-wise under the premise of uh, there was an interview she was going to do. Sure. But I don't know who it was. And it wasn't right. like, I didn't, I only gathered that, uh, I think, out of what she said to the police officer. I didn't know that that's where she was going when she left, you know, from any previous scene or any scene after it. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I, I had the same thought of you. And then I think she's escorted out of there by the police. And so, you know, 2020 being what it is this year, yeah. I'm like, oh boy, are, are we taking a bad turn here? Or at least a turn into sort of like comic cop land? Um or yeah. just like something, something's more is going to come of this. And no, not, not at all. Like there was, it was it never mentioned yeah. again, right? I mean, there is that feeling of, 
I'm glad she touched on it a little bit. Yeah. Put that in there, if if only to say, this is this is the reality, because the rest of the movie doesn't deal with any of that reality. No, in fact, which, I think that, yeah, that's the only time where anybody confuses her for a, uh, a man, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um. Well, confuses her for a man. It's cops harassing her for yeah. no good reason. I think she's homeless, basically breaking in or doing drugs. Right. I can't remember or graffiti, yeah. like a drug deal or something. Yeah. So, so it, it, what? I guess that's the thing. I'm I'm glad she touched on it, mm-hmm. and at the same time, I'm glad I'm I'm glad that's not what the movie was about. A hundred percent. It would have. Yeah. It, it could have been really distracting if it had gone down that road into that. Yeah. Particular. Um, right. Story like if, or situation. That's a whole exactly, yeah. exactly. If if anything that I really enjoy about the movie, it is that feeling of like I want to live in this world that I don't live in. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, for sure. Like that. That kind of gives us that. And uh, yeah, it's a good way of putting it. I like. I like how it ends. Mm-hmm. I like her ending with "Here's what I found out," and that's kind of like taking you into the credits. Yeah. What did you think about that whole thing? Oh, totally. I mean, to me, yeah, it was probably the more interesting of the storylines, even though, yeah, you know, Diana is an interesting character and the relationship is on the surface fairly interesting because of how different they are. And I don't, I don't yeah. just mean that the color of their skin, but certainly that's part of it. Right. Um, but it just didn't explore that that much, right? It didn't go no. much further after that point. Um, there's that one sort of like dinner party scene and Diana is, is kind of on the obnoxious side with, uh, you know, Bogart and the J that's being passed around and talking about, um, you know, how she's going to use her connections to get Cheryl in touch with so-and-so. Um, but like, yeah, it kind of, it didn't go much beyond that. So I, I was certainly yeah. happy that it, it, it came back to the Faye Richards thing. Because, yeah, it's, just, it's really interesting. I mean, there's definitely like a, um, like you said, there's just a movie that's just about that, even if it's like a Christopher Guest kind of mockumentary about it. Um, it could have yeah. been a thing. So that's the stuff I was intrigued by the most and I still think is intriguing. And, and certainly, uh, I think from the tee-up, you know, it's it's like an academic interest, even um, mm-hmm. I think that she had as a student and, and researching that era and learning yeah. learning this about those those actresses. So it it has its roots in history, and yet, yeah, it, it, it borders that that weird line between fiction and reality here in, in a really interesting way. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I was happy with how it ended. It was fine. I mean, yeah. There's obviously threads that were left hanging, you know, the stuff with the cops and, and Diana, I think, to a degree. Um, video right. store, all I don't know what she's doing with this project, you know. Um, right. I mean, she she never has a intended purpose. There's no sort of, I'm going to put this in a festival. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Like, no, nothing like that. She's just interested in it. Yeah. And she wants to make films. And so, yeah, so that's why she's doing it. And I, and I assume we're going to find out more in the sequel. Well, probably, yeah. I would, I would yeah. assume so, yeah. What would you call a sequel? Hmm. I know. The water... WW2. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. Uh, I'm not going to top that. <laughs> um, uh, I want to mention the, the terrible karaoke 
uh, scene that happened, and it, not because it was oh. a terrible scene, but they had two terrible singers who did a good job of being terrible in that karaoke. They did scene. do a pretty good job being terrible. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're going to do a karaoke scene and they're supposed to be singing badly, you really gotta you gotta pull that off. Um, it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's interesting because of that scene. I listened to the actual version of that. Loving you. I believe it's called "Loving You" by oh, yeah. Minnie uh, Riperton. Riperton. Yeah. Great song. And I mean, man, that lady has some pipes. Yeah. She is singing way up there. Way up there. You would never choose that as a karaoke. I you mean, like could, you you're, know, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> no. off to a bad start if you pick that at yeah. all. So holy cow. Um, I don't remember what the white woman was singing, but that was kind of funny too. Oh yeah, I don't remember either. It was yeah. But, uh, but that it was, was like well boogie done, woogie. Yeah. Was it boogie woogie? <laughs> I don't know, some boogie, some song with the word boogie in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, no, I, I dug that. I dug, I liked the scene where she went to see the woman she was supposed to interview who turned out to be in the hospital, and yeah. she ends up having this discussion with a neighbor. Like, to me, like, that's another one of those, like, oh, this this only happens in New York kind of thing. <laughs> Actually, no, right, they're in Philadelphia. Right. They're in Philadelphia. So it only happens in, like, an urban city where you've got brownstones and people, like, living right beside each other, which, again, has not ever been my life at all. So No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, out on that. No, you know what? And, and actually, I'd like to say... Uh, major kudos to the sex scene that's in this. Yes, we should, yeah. Which is, you know, it's 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 not titillating and it's not not titillating, but like I totally bought it as two people who are just very into each other. Yeah. And I thought it was really well done. Sure, yeah. And for a movie like this, normally I feel like that would not be true. Yeah. So I, that's I, a huge hurdle. I was curious about that, and I knew it was coming, you know. Yeah. But, you know, like if you've seen The Room, the uh, Tommy <laughs> Wiseau movie, yeah, certain angles and certain people, like that's... <laughs> Yeah. You start taking off clothes and it does not look attractive. It's um, not the, you got to know where you're putting your camera. Yeah. And this was, uh, yeah, it was like smartly put together. And also like, good God. Um, I, was there anything that felt like, whoa, I can't believe like this is taboo. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really the thing. And, and I don't, I don't want to think that, you know, in the last Let's let's pretend it's only been ten years. Sure, that makes in the last ten years, yeah, yeah. I I don't feel like like it's that much different. Like that is a very not only a tame, pretty tame movie. Oh, very. But yeah. like, I don't know. Like, there's nothing. The the characters are not, especially for movies coming out around the time, right? Everyone in any movie coming out of the time was a heroin addict. They were probably killing multiple people. <laughs> Uh, you know, all kinds of de- just degenerate things happening. This movie couldn't be less degenerate yeah. <laughs> if it tried. These are two people who are attracted to each other. Nobody's then, a psychopath. Yeah, this isn't basic instinct. Right, or, yeah, right. Yeah. One of them's not trying to kill the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just going to have sex. And it's, and it's a, an interracial lesbian couple having sex, which if you need any other reason to show it in a movie, it's because it just is never shown in a movie. Other than in, in, yeah, Basic Instinct. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say yeah, right for, now, if this had been two white women, I don't think we would have liked that. Whoever that congressman was that got yeah. his panties in a wad, yeah. I don't, never would have heard a drop. Well, I mean, 
Well, I don't know. I'll push back on that a little bit. I don't know. Because this is about gay people. I know it is, but I We don't want to show any know. gay like, people. There was enough... There had been scenes in the 90s with women kissing before in Hollywood movies and stuff. and um, Well, but not with an NAE grant. Not with what? NEA grant. Not with an NEA grant? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, let's just I mean, say it's, it was, it's both both things. <laughs> probably. But it's ridiculous. I mean... Yeah, it, it, if, it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. If you're going to have a nude scene... In, in a movie with an NEA grant, I mean, this this is perfect. This is this is absolutely the art that you're trying to support. I mean, good God. Yeah. That guy. Anyway, you got to get votes somehow, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, still working in government, too. He was a diplomat to some foreign country right now. It's <laughs> Denmark, I think. Um, let's send him a letter. Okay. <laughs> He's gone now. Yes, okay. I'm going to photo... Print, uh, photocopy stills from that sex scene. <laughs> now, um, yeah. I, I really, that's all I have. You know, I, I think I'm glad you brought the sex scene because I was kind of thinking we should come back to Guinevere Turner who played Diana. And I, I do think she did a really admirable job too because that's kind of a tough thing to play in this world where you're believable as like Cheryl's love interest, but you're also like, you're not perfect necessarily. Yeah. You can see why she would get on the nerves of Cheryl's friends. And yet you'd still see why that's not necessarily like a deal breaker for their relationship. Um, because yeah, Tamara's not perfect either. Um, right. So I, I thought, yeah, she did, she did a pretty good job. I'm still, you know, it was kind of interesting actually, even like in the context of like thinking about get out and watching and like, like just a little stuff about Cheryl who, I mean, not Cheryl, Diana, who's like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I was living in Chicago and just wanted to get away from there and not feeling it. I just came to feel it. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, she, you know, there's just yeah. a, enough of that white privilege stuff in there. Where you're exactly. Like, She's just got options that, yeah, totally. these yeah. folks don't have. Yeah. Ah, and her father was in military, and so she lived in, like, Bangladesh. Like, there's, like, a list of countries that she... She was born in Jamaica, Born was in that Jamaica, right? Yeah, the insult yeah. injury, right? Um so, yeah, all that stuff I thought was nice little just kind of um, – it made her – like because she sort of starts out as like, oh, here's this object of um, infatuation that just walks into uh, the story at the video store. Right. And it's like, is she just going to stay this kind of like mystical cool girl, you know? Right. Nope. No, she's a real person, very much. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, she. Yeah, she was obviously important to the story. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I liked how they handled that. So, um, that's pretty much all I got, Craig. Any last little thing uh, stuck in your craw or your uh, stuck in your kiwi? Uh, nothing stuck in my craw, but I will say that I learned a new term. Hmm. And uh, when they're talking about Faye Richards, uh, when she used to sing in, I want to say she used to sing in gay clubs. Yeah. In New York, I think it was a part of the history. And someone says something about how she would sing for the O-Phase. The O-Phase, yes. I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. Did you look that up? I did not. I 100% assumed that that was a term for other gay people. Hmm. Apparently, at least according to the internet, it is an offensive name for white people. Really? Yeah. O-Phase, wow. I've never heard that before. So that's what they were saying to me all those years. No, um, that would be kind of a weird thing. <laughs> but they were yelling at you. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a nickname they gave me. I was just, <laughs> like, yeah, man. I thought cool. we were buddies. Um, no. Uh, 
Well, good God. Like, I'm just looking at Cheryl Dunye's uh, IMDb here again. She's got 29 directing credits, and she's got yeah. uh, TV. Oh, she did an episode of Lovecraft Country, Craig. We talked about that, right? Darn right. I don't think I've seen it yet. Okay. Yeah. It's the one titled Strange Case, so maybe you report back. I don't have HBO right now, so report back on that one if you see it. I'm very, oh, I, I'm really, really curious. I was thinking about that, about, like, seeing what else she's done just because of how sort of low budget and, um, you know, just – see your pants it feels this movie has is like spontaneity yeah. to it like to see something a little more polished from her would be really really interesting right but also I mean I am kind of like there should be a documentary about like I want to see a documentary about some of the actresses like from that era um, and that whole thing like I, I would love to know more about that I thought it was fascinating so absolutely if she hasn't made that yet she should <laughs> That would be cool. Yeah, maybe she feels like she already has. But anyway. <laughs> right. That's the watermelon. I don't know why I'm giving her career advice. Good God. Uh, that's the watermelon <laughs> woman. Craig, thank you for uh, suggesting it. And Absolutely. I'm glad, glad we did it. You know, I think we're still kind of talking about maybe we'll do a, a few more 90s things. And one of the things we did want to really look at is kind of like the sex, you know, the erotic thriller that was like so popular in the early oh, 90s. Man, that, yeah. Um, All about it. Yeah, so we'll have to pay special <laughs> attention to how they sort of handle their sex scenes and, like, what, uh, you know, the, the moral majority had no problem with um, coming out of Hollywood but yeah. got up in arms over this. So um, before we go, I'm going to make you pick between In the Soup and Watermelon Woman. Which are you more likely to revisit before you shuffle off of this godforsaken dumpster? Well, Sean, you know what? Before we talked this evening, I think I would have definitely said In the Soup. Mm -hmm. I would watch In the Soup before I'd watch Watermelon Woman. Right now, I don't know. I, do, yeah. I honestly don't know how I feel about it. Um, I feel like there are a lot of connections I did not make in Watermelon Woman. <sighs> and I feel like I made all the connections in In the Soup. I'm going to go Watermelon Woman on that one. See, I was going to go the opposite just because of the exact same reason. I feel, I, there's stuff I'm still like, weeks later confused about within the soup <laughs> um, especially yes. towards the end there like I feel like maybe I just need to watch that again to understand it whereas this one I feel, I feel like I got but um yeah well which, which movie do you think has the most going on in it they're, they're so similar Man, in a lot that of ways. Is, yeah that's a good question um hmm I will say I mean on the whole I am more interested in the the Faye Richard storyline than anything in in the soup, um, yeah. From a just a sh sheer storytelling thing, um, right. but yeah, I don't know. Um, there's definitely stuff in in the soup that I'm like, yeah, I didn't quite get, and I love Seymour Cassell. I thought he was great. Um, so it might True. be one that I don't know. Right now, I feel like I should watch that again at some point. But I would definitely recommend The Watermelon Woman to anybody who hasn't seen it easily. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, maybe next year we'll just do rehash episodes and we'll watch, rewatch every oh, movie we watch this year. Yeah. We'll just call That's it Take idea. Two. We'll just do uh, exact same episodes. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, that would be maybe an interesting we'll even experiment. Feel exactly the same. Yeah. I can't do it. There's no way I could do a whole year of that. <laughs> that would be a really weird uh, sort of meta experiment i guess well maybe people wouldn't be into that yeah i was gonna say well maybe we'll just put that out there as a question if there's a movie that we've done that anybody would want us to revisit let us know yeah we could do a take two that'd be kind of interesting good idea that would be cool 
All right, Craig, uh, let's wrap this up. This movie is streaming. I saw it on the Criterion channel. I think it's mm -hmm. available there even if you're not a subscriber by chance. Um, so you can check that out. But it, it may also be on – was it on Amazon Prime, Craig? I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, yep. there you go. A couple options. Um, check it out. You should see it. Yes. Interesting stuff. Craig, Great. last words are yours. Uh, uh, loving you is easy because you're beautiful, Sean. Mm. Thanks, man. There you go. Thanks. Yeah. All right. I'll see you next time. See you. Bye.